0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie and with me as always is...
1: Hey everybody, what's going on? It is Jason.
0: Welcome to another week of Top 100. I know you're all looking forward to it. I was thinking like we need to get like a bracket or something, you know, do like a playoff thing. Like what will be the number one game? Will it be the same as last year? I mean, I don't know that we want to start like a betting pool or anything, but you know...
1: I mean, maybe we can try it.
0: We should make like, like fantasy team, like game leagues. Hmm.
1: I don't know how to do that.
0: I don't know. I was just thinking like, if you could put together like a team of like games, but then we have to set all kinds of criteria and uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. It just sounds like an ordeal.
0: <laughs> That's true. I just, I just want to bring the fun. Like, what else would make this interesting? But I just like talk about games, and I really do like the Top 100 because it lets me think about the games I have played. It makes me think about games I want to play, and we always do it kind of leading up to the end of the year and the holiday season, and we tend to be around more people to play games with. So it's nice to kind of get that fuel for my fire to think about what I want to play.
1: Yeah, and it's also nice that you know we can kind of just be on autopilot kind of end the year off and to talk about games, have some fun, not have to stress out about episodes, which is nice.
0: Yes. And so since we've got 10 games each to talk about, let's get started and head right to news. All right. So first up, I've only got just a couple... <laughs> I know, Kickstarter's getting a little light again. And this first one is both a game that I enjoy and a holdover theme from Halloween because unlike some people, I'm not jumping on the, it's Christmas bang and wagon. Okay, in the United States, we have Thanksgiving next, people. So chill yourselves out. But I want to talk about a new Tonto Quarry game, which y'all know I love. So this is Tonto Quarry Memento Mori, twilight manor so um the like kind of tagline for this is tanto quarry goes paranormal and you come upon this like you've inherited this twilight manor which is like dormant there's ghosts there's um kind of like dilapidated rooms and so part of the new mechanics of the game are like fixing up those rooms and you have to get the certain elements um, on your like maids and butlers. Yes, butlers are back. Maids and butlers to help you fix these rooms, but also ghosts can be placed on the rooms, which means you can't fix them if they're there. So getting rid of that, uh, performing seances. I don't understand how that works up, but they're supposed to help with the goals as well. Um, you know, general employing your maids and butlers. They're trying to keep the ghosts at bay too. Um, it sounds like some really neat, uh, changes to the Tonto Quarry game. And as always, they're like, Hey, you can mix this with the other Tonto Quarries. You could take your ghosts on a date or something like, (laughs) it's just strange. But again, the artwork is awesome. It has a creepy, like, like I said, a whole over Halloween feel, which I'm a huge fan of. I mean, anime goes gothic. Yes, please. Um, I love that they're they're giving equal time to maids and butlers. So a majority of the maids that I've seen in the pictures, the mock-up art, look fairly well-dressed from what I can tell. There is one that is questionable, very, very questionable. However, there are also butlers, and I like, there is a butler that is not wearing a shirt and he is ripped out. There's another butler and like a wife beater. I mean... They, they're trying. I, this is equality, and, and I'm here for it. And, you know, I love a good deck builder, which is what the Tonto Quarry's games are all about at their basic um, heart of it all. And I'm pretty pumped for this new edition. So if you like Tonto Quarry, If you've heard me talk about it, or you like deck builders, and you want more of a creepy theme, maybe Halloween, check out Tonto Quarry Memento Mori Twilight Manor. Six days left on that Kickstarter, and it is $49.
1: Yeah, this seems interesting. It seems like it's way different than some of the other ones. Uh, It's a bigger box. I -hmm. do know that, like a harder crown size box. Um, So yeah, it looks cool. Uh, Different mechanics, different theme. I kind of dig it, so yeah. More Corey is always a good thing.
0: Right. And I like that it's not just, oh, let's take the same thing and, you know, just change the cards around. It's actually adding mechanics. So the next one is a game from Game Brewer, which is a publishing company that Jason is a big fan of. Um, For example, Paris, which we do love. Or Arkwright the Card Game, which is large and barely a card game. Or Gugong. Or uh hippocrates which i really want to play or palaces of carrera which jason has recently gotten into Ooh, is that a spoiler um but uh
1: yeah (laughs) it might be
0: the game that's on kickstarter now from game brewer is called delta now delta has this crazy theme that they've applied to it about it's like steampunk and you're getting these crystals from this delta area I honestly am like, okay, that's a little contrived. Um, But you are assembling a team of explorers, scientists, engineers, these kind of specialists in this adventure, which is exploring this Delta region. And it reminds me a lot of games like Coinbra or even a little bit like Feudum, but hopefully more enjoyable, where you've got different um, areas of the board that are allowing you to do different things. So there's these three sections of the board. You're placing your team members, which are cards um, out on these different areas of the board to do different things. And so one of them is like a map where you're actually moving around the Delta and placing flag markers. And sometimes you need special either people or equipment to get to certain places. You might need like an airship and a pilot. Um, there's also a workshop where you're moving up this track to improve like engineering. And that helps you with these inventions. It'll give you points and, um, help you do other things in the game you then have like this completely other section about animals but they're like they're going with a steampunk theme so i think they're like mech animals but it's like a turtle a flamingo a horse a bull um and so you're getting rid of characters to kind of learn more about animals, but like that can give you points. So it looks like all these different places are for different points. You can publish um, scientific papers by kind of um, getting rid of some of the things that you have to get points for those as well. Um, you get new character cards, new animal cards, new mission cards, like each round, and um, so lots of choices, and it really looks like um, like lots of ways that you can go about crafting a win, which I am a big fan of. And the artwork is pretty dope; like it's it looks really nice. And you know, Game Brewer I think always puts out really great games too. So if you're interested, um, like worker placement, kind of multiple mechanic balancing kind of thing, check out Delta. There's six days left. Also. On that Kickstarter, and uh, it's seventy four dollars.
1: Yeah, I love GameBurger games. They have great art. They're usually at least you know medium to crunchy euros. My only beef is they're a little on the they're pricey expensive. side, which this is you know no exception. But it's nice production. It's good quality. It's- And, you know, they're coming from more Belgium, so yes, probably some crazy shipping and all that stuff. So I
0: get it, but yeah, dang, that's high. Yeah, but it does look like it's a little bit of a crunchier game, which I like to see that always. And those are my games for news today.
1: All right, so we're going to talk about some games that we played. We have one that's been on our shelf for a long time that uh, we just busted out recently again and played it and we have two others that we don't own but are different and we wanted to talk about them so let's get started on that and the first game that we're going to talk about is the one that we own and it is called everdell and this is a cute little worker placement tableau slash engine building game where you're um sending your little creatures out to different spaces on the board to try to collect cute little resources there's berries and uh Shoot amber, whatever it is. I don't remember what it is. Resin. Resin, yeah. Um, twigs and pebbles. And you're using those resources to pay for cards. You're gonna get buildings and then there's gonna be critters. Now, if you build a building, each of those buildings, not all of them, but some of those buildings will allow you to play the critter that lives in those buildings for free on another turn. Because on your turn, you're either gonna place a worker or you're gonna play a card, or you're gonna pass to the next season. And you're just trying to be as efficient as you can, gathering these resources, playing these cards, uh, building the engine to score as many points as you can at the end of the game. Beautiful art, a silly tree that doesn't serve any purpose, but looks cool on the board. But really, really solid game. I still like it. Every time I play this game, I like it more and more. We just don't play it a ton because, again, we have so many other games. But it's so good, and I think it helps that I did win this because I'm pretty good at winning this game for some reason. Um. But yeah, it's really good. So, how do you feel about Everdell this time?
0: Yeah, I like it. I honestly didn't do like there are times when I games like this that are cute, and like they're so open that I'm like following random like creatures and things just for funsies, and then I'm like, oh, maybe you should have paid more attention to <laughs> what you're doing. Um, but this I feel like um was good like i actually was like oh you could develop a strategy here to play this and i did like i went all in on these like green the green cards which are like cards that give you resources when you build them into your tableau and then um at the two growth seasons they give you things as well and so i was like trying to get them to play off of each other and i love games like that like i remember thinking and honestly like I feel like I should re-rank maybe my top 100 because I had ranked Everdell kind of low because I just felt like I didn't feel like it was really a game where I was competitive or that it just kind of was whatever happened, happened. But I felt this time like I did a better job of paying attention to like synergy of cards and things. And there were four, no, there were five of us? No, four of us. Four four of us. And I felt like we cycled through the cards better than I think we have in previous Games of it that we've played, so you got to see more things, more options come out, and I, I liked that because I thought that that helped me um, decide what cards to get rid of and when to pick up some more. Um, and this is now becoming really easy to find. It's, I've seen it at Target, so I think, um, it can go from that really light, oh, let's make a cute little city, um, to even like, okay, let me work out some kind of engine with my cards and create this really great synergy and be competitive. So at all levels of gaming, I think it's there because you've got the great production components, all of those things that draw people in, um, but it can work for heavier gamers too. So I, I really enjoyed it this time, more than I had in the past.
1: Yeah, there's like three or four like big expansions too that add extra boards and extra stuff. So if the basic game is just too bland for you you can go mix it up with some of that which is cool
0: yeah i never wanted to i was like why would i bother with those with getting you know the um expansions but now i'm like ooh, i think maybe i feel good enough about this that i sh- i might give this a go
1: yeah at least one at least one yeah all right so the next game is kind of a, a game that i would never heard of and seems like hey why are we playing this game but a um, friend Chris brought it over And it is a game called Monster Baby Rescue And the reason I wanted to play this Is because um, we it, it was Vladimir Suchi And I'm a, a big va- fan of Vladimir Suchi And it looked like a Vladimir Suchi game That was directed towards kids or families It's not as light as a kids game But it's, it's fairly light And effectively what you're doing in this game Is you are trying to clean up And make your little monster happy That's the goal of the game And the way you're doing that is by um, you're drafting these different things. You may draft a bed. You may draft a toy. You may draft something that helps you clean your animal, which means you flip over a tile or get rid of a tile. You're trying to get from level 1 to level 4 on three different parts of your animal to score points. But whenever you draft a tile, it's going to move your character so many spaces. So say I draft a 4, I'll move 4 spaces on this board. The farther you move, the longer it's going to take for you to take a turn again. So then you're at the mercy of what other people are taking. And at the end of the game, you're going to get points for, you know, there's instant points you can get through the game, like if you're the first person to hit certain thresholds or get some gems or whatever. Then at the end of the game, you're going to score points based on where like what level your monsters are on, how well you did collecting beds, gems, uh, toys, all that kind of thing. And then whoever has the most points is the winner. It's a really simple game to play. It was cute. And I liked it. It's it's definitely, I think it would probably be marketed as a kid's game, but We were adults, and I played it and had fun. So, yeah, that's good. So that was Monster Baby Rescue. How do you feel about that?
0: Like, I feel bad. Like, it was okay, um, but I would never choose it myself. How's that? Like, I I, I don't hate it, but it would not be my choice to play it because it's just,
1: eh. I I think Rory would like it. She'd probably play it and have fun.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, the the art was cute. And, like, when you flip over these little monsters, like, um, I had a Chimera, maybe? And, like, it got a pretty crown. And it got, like, gold bands on its tail. It's so, like, you know, that was kind of fun. <sighs> but, uh, yeah, I don't think I would choose it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not something I want to play all the time either. But I'm glad I played it. It was... It was fun, and it only takes like 20 minutes. So it was kind of a, you could use it as a nice filler or something. Mm, For sure. Looking for something like that. And the next game we played, our friend Chris also brought over, and we played it with him and his wife, Amy, and it is called Burgle Brothers 2. Now, I've never played Burgle Brothers 1. I don't know what the differences are other than what Chris said. I think the first one is not set in a casino. Burgle Brothers 2 is set in a casino. And Burgle Brothers 2 also has some campaign elements where you know you can do different missions and stuff i don't know if the first one does that or not so we're just going to talk about burgle brothers 2 but this game is a cooperative game where depending on the scenario you pick you're trying to break into this safe that's going to be somewhere on the second floor i believe or I, i think it's always on the second floor and you're trying to do that to get these dice to break a code all the while avoiding the bodyguards. And then once you've busted, uh, cracked the safe, then there's a second part of the mission, which if you're not dead or, you know, captured, arrested, whatever the actual terminology is, um, you can try to do that, but good luck. It's a pretty simple game. On your turn, you have, I think, four actions or something. I can't remember. Four action points. Yeah, four action points, and basically everything costs an action, Moving into a room costs an action. You can move upstairs to if you have the escalator. You can use different rooms for actions. You can clean up some of the, the security cam footage that the bodyguard's is doing for some actions. Uh, when you move into a room, maybe you get an event card. That's an action. You can try to crack the safe if there's enough dice up there. You can send the dice up to the safe from the um, office to help people crack the safe. There's so much stuff you can do. There's even special abilities that you can play during other people's turn to help them minimize their risk of going to jail and all that stuff. It's a pretty cool game. It was kind of brutally hard, I think. We were playing one of these where you had to crack a safe and then get two celebrities back out, and we were basically almost all the way arrested or dead before we even cracked that safe. So I don't know how we would have even started to go through the second half of that game. And yeah, it, it was rough. But it's a, it's a really interesting, it has some really cool production. Like, you use the box as part of the board. It's two stories, which is pretty neat. Uh, you don't have to play it like that. You can just put them next to each other, I believe, on the, the table as well. But it looked cool. And I had a good time. Again, I'm not the hugest fan of cooperative games, but the theme was cool. Kind of felt like Ocean's 11, 12, or 13. You know, you're in there trying to steal the, the five diamonds from Al Pacino or whatever in Ocean's 13. That's kind of what it felt like. Um, and I just enjoyed it. So how do you feel about Burgle Brothers? Yeah, Burgo Brothers 2.
0: Burger Brothers 2. I liked it. Um, It went on a little long and some of that was because like my dice rolls were terrible. Like at first we're like, yes, it's great. My character strolls in um, and then I, like you're flipping over tiles and tokens. And um, the thing is like, I feel like a lot of the rooms in this are negative for you. Um, So that's bad. Uh, But like, the tokens can maybe have positive or negative effects, whether you peek or you actually go in the room. So I ended up, like, being the first one in. Um, my character stumbled across this drunk token, which made me, like, slide <laughs> across the basically entire floor. But, like, right away, we found this office we needed, and then I drunkenly slid over to find the escalator to go upstairs. Um but then I don't know if like managing two floors was too much, if having four players was too much. Um, I didn't know about what like special powers we might need. And so I just picked a character based on who I thought looked cool. But even some of like those special powers and like what we were doing inspired some storytelling aspects that I thought were really funny. Um, it did feel tense Um, there's a lot of tension with rolling and moving and the security guards moving around. The components were pretty dope. So like, yeah, I think it was, it was, it was hard. I don't know how, like we were going at it for so long. And then, um, like, yeah, we were very close to being arrested. We had so much heat, each of us, um, that once we opened the safe, we, then we, then we had to find these celebrities in our scenario and like drag him out and it was never going to happen uh, um, so I don't know if it's just hard or we played it poorly but it's not I, I would do it again <laughs> <All the above. laughs> or both
1: <laughs> I would totally
0: do it again um, just to see but I don't like games that are super mean to you so that's probably why I I would not be in a hurry to pick this again but it's still I like the theme is cool there are lots of cool things about it
1: the theme was awesome. I'm not even wrapped up in theme that much, but I love the oceans movies and it did kind of feel like that. Like it definitely felt like you were in that that world. Yeah, I'm a fan
0: of of a, of a good heist. A good heist, a good caper. Yeah, I do love that. Yeah.
1: So the theme was fun and, you know, I enjoyed it. But I, I I would like to play it not even with the missions just let's crack the safe and be done because even that in itself was a puzzle and a challenge and right. I thought it was fine. It was fun. So, yeah. yeah. All right, so those are three games we played. Let's keep going.
0: All right, as always, not as always, but as you now know, our main feature is our top 100 games of all time. And we say all time because I think we sorted through like over 600 games that we've played since we started tracking the games that we've played um, to get to our top 100 games. And for me, like... This list like shook me honestly this this time around, the stuff that came up to the top and the stuff that went down like I can't believe where things are and how things have shifted and what's shifting and um today we're gonna cover. Uh, numbers 90 through 81. So we're still kind of early on our top 100, but because we have played so many games and so many good games, um, these are all excellent. These are all games. If you came over and said, hey, I got it. I'm like, yeah, let's play it right now. Uh, So Jason is going to kick us off with his number 90.
1: All right. So my number 90, Katie kind of gave you a little hint that it was coming up and it is from Game Brewer. And I've played this game. I don't know. I just got it a couple weeks ago. So this is, you know, probably new to the list because i played it the most. Played it seven or eight times. Most of it's online. A couple times in real life. And it is called The Palaces of Carrara. And this is the second edition. The reprint from Game Brewer. It's from Kramer and Kiesling. And this is a game where you are trying to collect these different colored bricks. And you're using these bricks to build different types of buildings in one of the five. I think there's five. Five or six cities on your player board. I think there's six and based on where you build this city is going to determine what kind of income it's going to produce you when you take a scoring action. And on your turn you're either going to decide to take cubes or building blocks. You're going to build a building or you're going to score. And after so many scoring actions have happened, meaning one person has scored all of their little scoring pillars, the game is going to end. So it's kind of like this battle of trying to build, trying to get as best buildings as you can, but you don't want to score too quickly. Because if you could end the game too quickly before, you've had enough chance to do anything. But you don't want to wait too long, because you, maybe you'll lose out in the good spots from your opponent. So it's like this back and forth, like trying to figure out who, when to score, when's the perfect time to score, when to want to the buildings, take blocks and all that stuff. It looks fantastic, and I like it. It's a good Euro game. So my number 90, Palaces of Carrara.
0: I, I have yet to play this. Um,
1: I well, don't, I don't most know. of the plays have been online, so... That's that's the majority of it.
0: Oh, okay. You are always playing. You play I'm playing Jason? with Fred. <laughs> Fred. Freddy. My husband doesn't play games in real life because he's too busy <laughs> playing games online with you. <laughs> <laughs> but you did send hot sauce, so I'll. You might get a pass on that one, Fred.
1: That's true. He that used, you did.
0: He used to be my favorite. Wah, wah, wa.
1: Don't talk to Fred like that.
0: Right. Do you want to? You want to get started? You want to start this?
1: No, not really.
0: Okay. I didn't think so. Uh, And looking at my list, I just called an audible because the game that I picked, I didn't like as well as some other games I saw later on in my list. (laughs) Uh, So my next game is actually a little game that I made Jason buy me (laughs) when we were um, on a recent anniversary trip. I think it was celebrating 15 years we were at a game store, because what else do you do when you're gamers on an anniversary trip? And that game is Walking in Burano. So there is a bigger game, Burano, right? Yeah,
1: I don't think they're related, though.
0: But I, yes, I don't think they're related. But this game is the kind of thing I love. So Walking in Burano, it's a family game. It's cards for the most part. Yeah. Um, like yeah, I guess they're cards. I was like, they're not titles. Yeah, it's all it's all it's cards. All cards. Yeah. Um, and so you are trying to build kind of like a tableau, which is a street in Burano that you see as you're walking, and uh, you've got different levels of buildings. So you've got the f- the first floor, the middle floor, and the rooftop. Um, there are stores that can be part of your your kind of cityscape. There are different decorations, some animals um, on all these different places. And there are certain rules about what kind of cards you can lay down next to each other. So it's this really interesting little puzzle that you're trying to work out. And not only are you are trying to l- draft and lay cards in based on these specific rules but then you're also trying to use like tourists and locals um in addition to uh what you've got what going on with your houses or uh, slash stores in your city um, but you're trying to then use them to maximize the points that you can get based on maybe the decorations you have or if there's cats or if there's a lot of chimneys um all these different little things. Like, I just really like it. It's super easy. Um, but again, like, some of the choices are really hard. Like, do I take this? Do I use, like, my, my one pass to break the rule, to put this color next to the same color? Um, okay, how do I get the right tourists here? I've got, like, 15 chimneys. So I need to get Santa Claus. I actually don't know if it's Santa Claus. I think so. It, it is Santa Claus. I think Claus. it is Santa Claus. Yeah. He wants chimneys. Or, like, you know, Crazy Cat Lady or whatever, because I've got, like a bunch of cats in my layout. Like I just really, um, it's not, I love games like that. Little boxes, um, really easy turns, but like really cool choices. So uh, my number 90 is Walking in it's That's
1: a good one. I don't think it made my list, but it is a good one. Uh, my number 89 is another new game, but I've played it a bunch and I, Push your luck is my thing. And I know you don't care about this as much as me, but this one's called Port Royal. It's an Alexander Pfister game. It's basically a deck of cards, and you're flipping some cards, trying to score as many points as you can without busting. And the way that you would bust it is you're going to be flipping cards. If you get two of the same color ship and you can't like defend against one of them, you will bust. But otherwise, if you can get a certain number of ships, you can draft some cards from the middle. Spending some money to get characters for points, taking a ship to get some coins, all that kind of thing. And then other people can buy cards on your turn by giving you some coins as well to help you when it's your turn later. Just a race to 12 points. It's real simple. I enjoy it. Um, so yeah, that's why it's on my list. The so number 89, Port Royal.
0: I did not enjoy this, so it's not on my list. It's just <laughs> That's okay. why I said you, you didn't like it. I know. Uh, my number 89 is like a kind of beefier game and we haven't played this for a while but i'd be interested to pull it back out and that's smartphone Inc. so smartphone ink um i I think that one dumb guy that's on the board again rundown that we you know listen to sometimes he's talking about how the box cover looks really dumb on this and it's ugly and it's true dan i'm talking about you
1: (laughs) oh yeah i was like which one (laughs) (laughs) it's dan Uh, i
0: mean someone whose name rhymes with fan fan So, and yes, the box cover is really dumb. Um, and it's pretty basic art on the inside. And a lot of people talk about this like an econ- economic simulation game or whatever. And I don't like economic games. But I... There are lots of other things going on in this game that makes me like be able to overlook the economic portion. So you're running your own smartphone, like smartphone empire, and I think that's why I like it. Is I think the theme is cool. Uh, another reason why I like a game like the networks, where I am like, this is my empire, and what am I going to do? Like, what kind of technology am I going to invest in, and where am I going to invest in it And like, um, you know, what am I going to need in the future, and. Uh, like yes there's some market type stuff happening um and maybe i don't pay much attention to that very well um because i'm you know doing other things but i just like that idea of looking at all the different aspects of a phone of phone companies like oh if i have a phone company you know in africa um they're not as concerned if i have like 5g or whatever they're gonna want something else you know uh, and so i need to invest in that technology and getting points through all these different ways, selling at the right time, selling phones to the right people at the right time. Uh, I, I I don't know. There's just something about this game that really interests me. And it's been a while since we played it. So maybe I'm remembering it like more favorably than I should. But uh, I I really enjoy this and I like to play it again. So my number 89 is Smartphone Inc.,
1: yeah, I'm not sure if this made my list. I just couldn't remember it enough. I just mm. remember the action selection thing was cool.
0: Oh, and... yeah. which you couldn't figure out was like...
1: <laughs> yeah, it was supposed to mimic a phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> I'm not smart. I'm not smart. Uh, all right, so my number 88 is a game that I don't know if we played. I think we might have played it a couple of times. I'm not sure. But it's a, a game called Coliseum. Mm-hmm. And our version is the Tasty Minstrel version. It was originally published by Days of Wonder, and all this game is, at its heart, is a auction-slash-trading set collection game. And what you're trying to do is you are trying to get different pieces, which are little tiles, to put on different, like, plays, shows in your arena to impress Caesar or whoever the character is. In your is. Coliseum. Again, Coliseum. yeah, whatever. <laughs> I, the theme is irrelevant, but... That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to... So you're going to have... Um, and when it's your turn, you're going to pick a section. You're going to try to auction off these sections. Then after that is done, everybody can trade how they want to. And you're just trying to get the appropriate pieces that you need to put on your performance to score points, to build up your Coliseum, and just win the game. That's it. It's just it's all auction, all set collection. But it's a good time. It's not super hard. It may go on a little bit long, but it's definitely a cool game. So my number 88 coliseum
0: i like this one quite a bit in fact more than you oh nice yeah yeah
1: if we played it more I'd probably be higher on mine
0: my number 88 is a hideous game i mean a hideous game of hideous games uh the only saving grace might be that there i think are colored gems <laughs> and they're like you know, the most basic kind, like one step up from being fish, fishbowl rocks.
1: <laughs>
0: but I really like this game and it's called Toledo. Now, you may be surprised like I was to find out that Toledo is designed by Marty Wallace.
1: You love Martin Wallace. I don't know why you're acting like you're oh surprised gosh. by it.
0: I am. There are only two games I like by Martin Wallace. And this is brass. one of them. Hmm? Brass? I, no. Big hint, not Brass. There is one other Marty Wallace game in my top 100, and it will be revealed much, much later. <laughs> uh, Toledo like it has this really stupid, I would say stupid theme, but um, the theme is on it is you're trying to forge these swords uh, in the city of Toledo in Spain, not in... Ohio. Yeah,
1: not, not Toledo, Ohio. It's not <laughs> way more exciting than that. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, so you are moving around. You're moving people around. You are going to acquire like steel and jewels. So you're making these swords. And they're also going to be like good looking um, to then sell them for points. Uh, but the movement is interesting because you are moving based on the cards in your hand. And you can move multiple times in one turn, if you have multiples of the same number of cards. And then if people are, you know, going to spaces where you kind of, like, own it, sort of, you have a stand or whatever, um, then you get cards from them too, which apparently is a valid strategy in Toledo, because <laughs> one of the times we played it, that's all I did. Uh, but I just think, again, like, multiple paths to victory, or you're going after, like, these big, you know, really embellish swords? Are you, you know, trying to like, get like, put yourself in strategic places um, on the pathway, because you're kind of moving up to like the fort, where you're going to deliver the swords. Um, Like, I just really think that there's a lot of interesting things here in a really hideous looking game. So it just has really stuck out to me. We don't own this, uh, but I wish we did, because surprisingly, even though it's, you know, it's Marty Wallace, I can't believe that you don't have this. It's pretty cheap, I think, because it's so <laughs> ugly. Um, yeah, there's a copy on the Geek Market that's new for $15.
1: Yeah, I I do want this eventually. I'll, I'll get it.
0: Uh, but yeah, so my number 88 is Toledo.
1: Yeah, I like the game. I'm not sure if it's on my list, but I do like that one. You stomped me so bad at it that I kind of think I blacked it out.
0: It made me feel real good.
1: <laughs> All right. My number 87 is a game that I played a couple times IRL. That means in real life for those of you who are old like me. And it, a bunch of times online. I mean a bunch of times. With and Fred. It, no, I've actually just played against randos on Board Game Arena.
0: Oh, he's cheating on you, Fred.
1: Maybe Fred. Maybe Fred wants. I don't know. Uh, but it's Puerto Rico. I should play it with Fred. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll, I'll reach out to Fred about playing Puerto Rico. Uh, but Puerto Rico is, it's like the granddaddy of some, that, that mechanism where everybody picks an action and someone picks an action and everybody else gets to do it. It was one of the first big games that did that. But at its heart, what it is, it's... You're trying to get money. You're trying to build buildings on your little tableau. You're trying to build um, different types of plantations that will grow different like resources for you to use to build said buildings, to trade on the boat. And you're also trying to get colonists to come in to work in your buildings and on your plantations. Not a great theme. I understand that. But the gameplay is pretty smooth. Uh, It's definitely not a looker either. It looks absolutely horrendous. But the gameplay makes up for that. There's a lot of stuff to think about, a lot of stuff you can do in your turn. And the fact that you're always doing something every turn is what, you know, I kind of like that. There's no downtime at all because everybody's doing something always, and that's fun. So my number 87, Puerto Rico.
0: I don't think I've played this one. I think I've only played San Juan.
1: Yeah, similar. It's the same theme, just way lighter. Yeah.
0: I don't know. When you described it, I'm like, oh, yeah, it sounds exactly like the game I played.
1: The actions are the same. You just do a lot more in Puerto Rico. Okay.
0: Okay. Um, my number 87 is a game that Jason hates. Um, and I'm going to figure out why we're going to work on this, I think, because I loved it so much. And that game is the search for planet X. I love deduction. Um, and even though I hate space, the pure deduction portion of this, like, Oh my gosh, I was so into it. Um, it reminds me of the best parts for me of the the alchemist which is another deduction game that i like and this functions similarly um but the way that without the worker placement part which in in general i like that's the part i like well but I, i i don't know some some parts of that i feel like bogged down the alchemist when i'm just here for deduction um and the app integration is cool which i don't I don't, I'm not like gung-ho about always using apps um, but it keeps track of things and I think it helps make sense um, the idea of like oh here's some asteroids and we have this many asteroids and you know have you found them and marking them off on your sheet and you know really thinking through like okay so what possibly could be here and I I loved it I love the puzzly deduction portion of this. The idea that you know you're in this really cool like telescope and moving around. You also can publish your findings with things that you think you know, um, which also reveals some stuff to people as well. It helps with the deduction part. Yeah, it's so good, and I want to play it some more. Um, and that's my number eighty-seven search for Planet X.
1: Yeah, I the gameplay was fine. It's just I did so bad that. It instantly left a terrible taste in my mouth. Like, it was awful. It was like I didn't even show up. You could have just had, like, some, some kid sitting there and it would have ended exactly the same.
0: I couldn't figure out what you were doing on your turns.
1: I was trying to figure stuff out. I'm not good at these games. Remember, you had to teach me how to play Clue. Remember that? I
0: know. I think if I taught you how to play this, though, then you would be fine.
1: Maybe. I just, I need to watch you and see what you do. That's for sure.
0: Follow the master.
1: All right, moving on. Uh, my number 86 <laughs> is a game we've had for a, a little while, at least since last year, I'm pretty sure. And it is called The Taverns of mm. Tiefenthal. And this is from the designer of Quacks of Quellenburg, which is a game, spoiler, will be much higher on my list. And in this game, what you're doing is you are drafting dice to use those dice to acquire new cards to put into your deck and ultimately make beer or other alcohol products and deliver those goods to customers to score points. If you, and you're also trying to move around this track to help you get benefits and score more points, get extra cards, all that kind of thing. And you're just trying to do all that, upgrade your tavern, have more beer storage, all that kind of thing, the best you can to score the most points. It actually has kind of a lot going on when you mix all the modules in, which you always should play that way. And um, it's... It's just fun. We don't play it a ton anymore, really. But looking at the box makes me want to play it. And there is a new expansion that I would like to try. Uh, maybe that'll make it even crazier and fun, more fun. So, yeah. My number 86, The Taverns of Tiefenthal.
0: Do we have the expansion?
1: No. I, oh. I'm not even sure if it's out in America yet. That, okay. I don't know that for sure.
0: This is higher in my list, um, but I would like to play it to confirm that that's where it should be. Uh, my number 86 is a game that... I don't think we talked about in our spooky games, but we could have, and we probably did last year. And then it's the Bloody Inn. Uh, I love the artwork of this game, and the theme I just think is hilarious. So it's a card game, and you are a murderous innkeeper, <laughs> and you are filling inns with guests, and then you are trying to kill the guests and hide their bodies before the cops show up, or else kill off the cops so they can't turn you in. Um, they're... <laughs> You want to always do more in your turn. You only get one action and it's like, gosh, it's so annoying um, because you're trying to get things done quickly. You're trying to get money. Um, money is hard to come by, to have cash, um, to have people to help you like bury bodies and kill off people and all kinds of things like that. Like that's, it's just so fun. And it's actually based on a true story, which I think is Makes it even more interesting. Um, We also have the expansion for this, which uh, is Carnies, right? Yeah, Carnies. Um, Which ups the creep factor and adds like a couple of different elements, which I think makes makes the game even more fun. Again, very simple as far as what you actually do on a turn, uh, but difficult choices uh, and, and just a fun, hilarious theme. It's actually like in looking at all the ads around BGG. Very affordable, totally out there, and I think more people need to play this. So my uh, number 86 is The Bloody Inn.
1: Yeah, it's a great game. Um, I play, It's good at all-player counts, too, because it scales. You take cards out of the deck. It's just fantastic. I'm pretty sure it's higher on my list, but again, I haven't looked at my list except for what's on this week, so who knows. Um, So my number, what did you say, 86? My number 85 is actually a new game that we played this year at JuliaCon, and it left an impression I mm-hmm. only played it one time, but we now own it, um, and that game is called Hallertau, and this is an Uwe Rosenberg game, or Uwe, however you want to say his name, and it's a game about, well, farming, because that's what Uwe does best, <laughs> but the the interesting thing about this one is everybody has the same kind of workers, There's these little blue cubes, and you're all sharing a worker placement board, and there are different, each of the actions have three different spaces you can go to. The first person to go there gets to spin one cube then two, then three. So depending on how quickly you want to take an action, you may go there first, but someone might beat you there. So you got to spend more cubes. But then the other interesting piece is you're trying to upgrade this like house that's on this board. It kind of moves along the board and you're trying to move these boulders out of the way. You're trying to upgrade these production buildings because you want to get this house to move as far along as you can to be able to score a pile of points. I didn't score a lot of points. So I'm assuming that's what you're supposed to do. And there's also cards that you can, complete throughout the game which are going to help you in income different phases of the game and more ways to score points for in-game goals and all that kind of thing so much stuff going on that's an oversimplification it's a big beefy euro game but it's definitely a good one so my number 85 howler
0: yeah this one is actually a little bit higher on my list um because i'm a big fan of the farming games uh, my number 85 is a game that i have championed i think for a long time i There was an expansion. Have we played that one yet?
1: Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, no, we have not. It's in our box. We have not.
0: Okay. Um, and that game is Bargain Quest. So Bargain Quest is like a a card drafting game, but I really like the theme. So you are a shopkeeper in a town where adventurers come through because there's monsters. So they're going to go off um, and fight the monsters. So you're going to draft items to put inside your shop to attract heroes. And um, you place some in your window and then you have some in your stock. The key is like you can't really sell the one in your window, only one in your stock. Um, And so you're trying to sell as much as you can um, to an adventurer to get the most money out of them, whether they win or lose the battle. You don't care. You just want the money. Uh, So then you can hire employees. You can upgrade your shop. The artwork is cute. Uh, Each of the shops like looks different. Um, There is an expansion, which we have not played, as I previously mentioned, but I really like this game. The only kind of bummer, I think, for us playing it is it's three is the minimum. No, you can play well, it, two. I,
1: I think you could play it, too, but it would definitely benefit with more people.
0: It is better at more. You can play up to six. I would say the four to five range is good, um, but I think it's got a quirky little theme. Once you can get people to get your minds around it, like... We played this once and it was a bad experience because people we played it with were being turds and like we're poo-pooed it and like didn't give it a chance. We're like, it's too random. I just, uh, you can't win. And I'm like, it's because you're terrible at it. Um, And you're not making the most of what you have. So (laughs) since then, I've had some good times with it. I would like to get it out again um, just to kind of chase away that bad taste in my mouth that someone else gave me. Uh, But I really like the game Bargain Quest, number 84, 85,
1: yeah, it's a good one. I definitely enjoy it. I'm not sure where it is on my list, probably because we haven't played it in a long time, but I do like yeah. it. Yeah. My number 84 is actually a game from Simon, hmm? And I think Eric M. Lang is part of this. Mm-hmm. Yes,
0: mm-hmm. Eric
1: M. Lang and Antoine Bauza. And this is Victorian Masterminds. And this is a, a great little game. You're, it's a, a kind of a worker placement game, sort of. You're sending these little gears that you have out that all have a special ability face down to these locations. Once they get three lo- three people on these locations, they'll activate, and then um, your power will fire off. And you're trying to collect bolts and nuts, um, different kinds of books to score points. You're trying to steal these buildings from these locations, and you're ultimately trying to build your doomsday machine. Whoever completes their doomsday machine first ends the game, and then whoever has the most points after all that is done is the winner. It's got some cool little minis, of course, Simon, that are completely unnecessary, but the buildings all look really nice. These little scientist guys are cool. Uh, It's a a great game. I really like it a lot. And yeah, so my number 84, Victorian Masterminds.
0: Yeah, I like this too. I think I like this a couple weeks more than you. (laughs) Uh, My number 84 is a game that I rave about, and... I honestly would say it's criminal that it's this low on my list. But part of the thing is, when I make my list, I'm also thinking about gaming experiences. So, games that are two player, games that are solo, games that, you know, people don't want to play with me, <laughs> uh, they tend to drop lower. Uh, this probably should be my number one game of all time, really, because of how much I love playing it. And that's Sherlock Holmes, Consulting Detective. Now, some people will say it's not a game, it's an experience, blah, 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 blah. I don't care. I, I love it. Um, I am a big fan of Sherlock Holmes in general, the literature, the character, so many of the reiterations from Basil Rathbone to um, Benedict Cumberbatch uh, to Great Mouse Detective from Disney. Like, I love them all. And so this takes the best parts of Sherlock Holmes, um, that deduction, like you are the armchair detective chasing down your own leads. And they've actually improved it, I think, with each. And I think there are five now,
1: Um, if I'm thinking correctly. Can you see them? Yeah, we have have three minus the one, the first one. And then I think there's like the Cthulhu one. Yes, Yes, there's five total. Yep.
0: So, they've actually kind of improved and changed things. The very first one, Astari, um, so there's some translation issues, whatever. I never felt like they got in the way. Um, personally, so far, my favorite has been Jack the Ripper in the West End mystery. Oh my gosh. That Jack the Ripper, it's a series of cases and they're all building on each other. And oh, it's like tense and oh my gosh, it's so good. And they had like the Carlton House and the Queens Park one, which gives you a different map and you, all, like things happen in a mansion and you're moving around and that changes a lot of what you're doing. Um, the one after that is the one I'm currently working on and that is um, the Baker Street Regulars. And so then they've kind of changed things where there's like time elements almost. Like if I show up, um, a- as you find out evidence, you're crossing off these um letters on like this little track. And if you show up to a place to follow a lead, previously, like if you show up to you happen to stumble upon the right place and you get the information, you know, bonus for you. This, if you show up and it's like, oh, have you crossed off the letter R? Well if you haven't, you don't get the information because you didn't get led there. And that makes it like even even tighter of a game to follow the logical trail to make things happen. Like, oh, it's just so fantastic. I haven't looked at or played the new one, um, which takes you to America and has like a Cthulhu um, elder god cult kind of uh, theme in the background it has less cases in the other ones so i'm like eh, but it is cheaper uh which I, i'm glad that they did that because i think again if i'm only gonna have seven cases instead of 10 it should be cheaper or six or something um and they have employed another mechanic similar to the baker street regulars and that also uh that i'm not quite sure how that works but again they're just tightening up the gameplay and making it better um and making something that i think is really great and enjoyable um one of my best friends and I, we loved this. We played a case in Baker Street Regulars* where we're crying about the main character because it was about kind of his backstory at the orphanage. We're like crying at the end. Like the writing is getting so good. Um, the cases are so good and clever. Uh, it's just a great, if you love mysteries and like figuring stuff out, like, yes, Sherlock Holmes, consulting detective, chef's kiss, uh, number 84.
1: Yeah, I don't really like that game, but I'm glad you like it.
0: Don't I make it sound so good?
1: You do, yeah. You make it sound way better than it is.
0: Oh my gosh, you're wrong.
1: Number 83 for me is a cooperative game. And I know Katie doesn't like this one, but Ooh. every time I play it, I have a great time. It's so brutal, but it's so fun to play. And that is The Lord of the Rings. And this is a game from Radar Knizia. It's from either the late 90s, early 2000s, so it's fairly old
0: but Ugly. It's so
1: yeah it does it's not a looker that's for sure <laughs> no. um but the, the gameplay is is i like it it's engaging you're just playing you're trying to play cards basically you're playing cards to match symbols to move up on these tracks but you're also trying to avoid these events that happen that will slap you around you're trying to make sure you have enough cards to mitigate some of the the stuff that happens you may have to skip a turn to move away from sauron because if at any point uh, if the ring bearer gets captured by sauron the game's over and everybody loses. So you're trying to throw the ring into Mount Doom before all that stuff happens. And yeah, that's it. I like it. It's brutal. It's hard. I think I won it maybe one time, but it's fun. So my number 83, Lord of the Rings.
0: It's so mean. It's not fun.
1: Oh, it was pretty mean. We went Nerdapalooza too with those new things in there.
0: <laughs> uh, my number 83 is uh, who does this? I know it's Vincent Dutray art. I don't even know why I thought I would remember a designer. Uh,
1: It is. I actually don't know who the designer is on this. It's not Vincent Dutre. It's Eno Tool.
0: Oh, yeah. Eno Tool. That's what I mean. Eno Tool um, artwork. uh, Okay. Joshua Gerald Balvin. Who knows? Uh, But the game is called Fool's Gold. Uh, How old is this game? 2015. Okay. It seems old. It's got this old timey look to it. But I love the theme on this one because I think it makes it really fun. So in Fool's Gold, you are mining for gold. You're part of the gold rush. Um, and there's these different areas to mine in, like the river and the hills, which, of course, I'm always going to say there's gold in them, there hills, like every time we mine in the hills. I can't stop myself. Uh, there's forest. So. You're rolling these dice that kind of determine which mining camps are open. You are then adding um, your little workers to go there, and then you mine. And the deck of the deck is um, the mine, and the deck has gems. The deck has gold, but the deck's also got fool's gold. The deck also shows you bad weather. The deck's got just plain dirt, and it is random. It, which is so thematic. And that's why I think it's so good uh, because you could go mining and someone could strike gold and get a whole bunch and you could get nothing and you could try to winter there and still get nothing like it. It's fun. Even when you're losing, you're still having a good time, like hoping like, yeah, yeah, come on, let's get some gold. Let's get some gold. There's some quartz in there. Um, It's just a fun game. Again, pretty easy to play, easier people to learn. And that theme, um, people can really catch on to and they get excited about. So that's my number 83, Fool's Gold.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. I think it's higher on my list. But again, I have no idea.
0: Didn't we just get this for like a song? Like we found it randomly.
1: Yeah, Black Friday was at one game store it was like five dollars or something.
0: They've got it on the geek market for like 15, $14, 15 bucks. People need to be snatching this game up.
1: It's good. I don't understand why people don't like about it. It's fantastic. It's push your luck with some worker placement. Like mm-hmm. it's so good. I, I don't get it. All right, so my number eighty two is one of the I mean, the worker placement games that people would call a classic, I guess. Most people know about it. A lot of gamers have played it, and it is called Lords of Waterdeep. And this is a worker placement game set in the D and D universe. That's all I know about it. That's all I'm going to talk about that. But effectively, what it is is you are placing workers out in these locations and collecting different color cubes, which means something in the D and D world. Who cares? And you're spending those cubes to fulfill these missions. Uh, like certain missions will need certain color cubes, may need some money, may needs um, you know other types of things, and then you're getting points. And you're trying to get the most points throughout the game. You're also trying to meet this objective that you have. This like your Lord of Waterdeep. They have a certain extra way they're going to give you some points. If you use the expansion, it's going to add some corruption, which adds some push your luck, which is awesome. And I'm terrible at it, but I love it. <laughs> it's such a good game. It's simple, but yeah, it's, it's fun. And there's enough to keep you engaged, even though it is fairly simple. And that is my number 82, Lords of Waterdeep.
0: Yeah, this one, uh, just outside of tap 100, we played it not that long ago. And I was like, man, this is quality. This is good. Uh, my number 82 is a game we don't own, but we borrowed it and played it like a crap ton. And I think I'm obsessed with it just because of the chunky parts. And that is Juicy Fruits. So in Juicy Fruits, you have your own little island. And you are moving your little baskets around to collect fruit. And you're using the fruit to fulfill these goals, to get some boats off the side, um, to get points, um, to make some soda pop and, f- and move along the track for points there. Um, you can make smoothies and milkshakes for points, um, build other types of buildings on your island via the fruits. Um, but the fruit, like there's a bunch of different types and they're all like these really thick, like chunky wooden pieces that I freaking can't stop playing with and I love so much. And like the puzzle of how to get the most out of each action to get the most fruit at the right time and what to cash in for. And there's so many different ways to win. Uh, yeah, it's so it's so good and it's like pleasing to look at. And that is my number 82, Juicy Fruits.
1: Yeah, this is a good game. We did play that a lot. It, it's
0: fun. <laughs> it did. All right,
1: so my number 81 is a big What's Your Game game. And I think I snagged it up in a trade this year and I've played it mostly online. Did you play it online times. with
0: Fred? Because you haven't played it with me.
1: No, I haven't played it with Fred and I've only played it in real life. Like as like a two player solo game and it is called Madeira or Madeira, however you want to say it. And this is, I'm going to try to explain it the best I can because it's a beast. <laughs> um, this is a game about putting workers into these different locations. Well, that are dice. You're going to use these dice that you're drafting to put in different locations to take the actions of these locations. Uh, then based on another phase that comes around, you're gonna have to pay income based on where you put these dice down. You may also be able to get some dice out of the jail, which will allow you to take extra actions. You're also trying to ship some goods on these, like, uh, to the either domestic or foreign markets to score extra points. It's a huge complex Euro. I haven't played it forever. It's a lot to even remember, but I remember the times I did play it. I loved it and it stuck with me. So it, it made my top 100, and that's number 81, Madeira.
0: You were talking about markets and things and that made me think of Marty Wallace. So I'm not sure if I'm not already prejudiced it, against it. It's
1: no, it's a what your game game. It doesn't feel anything like Martin Wallace. It's just like uh, by shipping, you put your worker on a space, you say, Hey, I'm going to get rid of this wheat and I'm going to get some money. <laughs> like that's that's what it is.
0: Uh, okay. Um, so my number 81, and the last one I'm going to talk about today, is a game that there are two versions of, and I would rank them both. The same, even though I'm partial to the old and busted. And then it's Libertalia. Uh, so Libertalia is a game, simultaneous action selection game about pirates. Everyone starts with the same kind of pirates. Each pirate um, has a number and then a, a power that's activated when it's played. Um, well, when it's played or at in a, in a certain phase. And there are several phases, but you're trying to play pirates that will play off of each other, um, off of other people's pirates so that you can get the best booty and that you can not get stuck with like curse stuff, that you can, you know, keep your ship, your crew from being assassinated. Um, Just scrambling to get the most points, the most doubloons. Um, Be the best pirate. I love a good pirate theme. Um, I also like games that function like this, where you all have the same hand of cards that have these special powers that fire off in different ways. Like I love like out thinking, trying to outthink people and how is that going to work? If they play this, then I play this. Also, I think it keeps people engaged because it's that simultaneous action selection. So I like using this um, with people that maybe have shorter attention spans or uh, don't like to listen to lots of rules. And it's like, here's what the cards do. Pick one. Like, again, very easy as far as what the actual turns are composed of. But really, I think, cool choices that really require thinking. So it's both deep and easy at the same time. Like, I really like that. Um, And I I like equally both the new uh, Stonemeyer version as well as I'm Maybe a little bit more partial to the old and busted uh, version from somebody. I don't know who published it.
1: Yeah, I don't actually know that either. It's some um, random company. It's behind me. Let me look.
0: What? I just thought I didn't know it because I don't know anything. Um,
1: it's Marabunta. Mara, Marabunta. Yeah, I no idea. Never heard of that company before.
0: No, me either. But this is Paolo more, who I'm a fan of as a designer. I, yeah, do, I he, do know that.
1: He's he's solid.
0: Yeah. All right, so those are our next installment of 10 games. Jay, so you count us down for your numbers 90
1: to 81. Yep, let me scroll back up to the top here so I can get to it. My number 90 is The Palaces of Carrara. My number 89 is Port Royal. My number 88 is Coliseum. My number 87, Puerto Rico. 86, The Taverns of Tiefenthal. 85, Hallertau. 84, Victoria Masterminds. 83, the Lord of the Rings, 82, Lords of Waterdeep, and 81, Madeira.
0: And my number 90 is Walking in Burano, 89, Smartphone Inc., 88, Toledo, 87, Search for Planet X, 86, The Bloody Inn, 85, Bargain Quest, 84, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, 83, Fool's Gold, 82, Juicy Fruits, and 81, Libertalia. So that's our next installment of our top 100. We've made it through the 80s already. What do you think is going to be our number one? Are you working on your top 100? Please, we'd love to hear it. Please share it with us. Um, Our Facebook page, our Facebook group, hashtag The Riveted, awesome place. Um, I just love seeing pictures and posts of what people are playing, what people are getting. Um. Maybe some Christmas wish lists could go out there. That would be really fun to talk through. Um, We've got a Discord server that, um, or chat or whatever they call it that you can um, message with. We've got Twitter. We've got Instagram. And, of course, the YouTubes. Um, Hopefully within the next week or so, we're going to start video series of our top 100 outside the 100 um, as I'm, like, finishing up some classwork. (laughs) Is there anything else?
1: No, I don't think so. Um, yeah, just
0: no, gaming. No, don't, don't. I was like, once again, I've opened <laughs> it up for you to say something. And I'm like, no, it's going down, going down. Whee.
1: No, there's. I have nothing else. There we go. How about that? I have nothing else. <laughs>
0: that sounds great. So I think that's all for this week. I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody.
1: Keep gaming.
0: This is like the episode about your tawdry online gaming affair with Fred.